Yay! Okay, I'm still so excited about what I got to share with you. It's amazing. But uh, this is the second week of Christmas Real to Real. And so we're taking a look at some favorite Christmas movies and checking out what was on the real and enjoying that for a minute, but then jumping into what's real in our lives and in God's Word and seeing what the intersection brings us to. So uh, one of the movies I wanted to make sure to, to enjoy with you is the movie The Christmas Claus, or sorry, no, uh, the Santa Claus, the Santa Claus. It's from a ways back. It's from 1994, and it's an oldie but a goodie. And, and in this movie, the Santa Claus, the Tim Allen character is sleeping, and his son comes and wakes him up, and uh, they they run outside because they uh, they hear something on the roof. Something on the roof. There arose such a clatter, apparently. And uh, anyway, they, they look, and up on the roof, there's Santa Claus. And so the Tim Allen character starts shouting at him because he thinks he's just a home intruder. And, and the, it startles Santa Claus. Santa Claus slides down the roof, falls on the front lawn, and dies. That's the beginning of the movie. Santa's dead. Some believers are like, that's right. No, I'm <laughs> Anyway, the, the, the movie then entails, like, what happens next. And, and the, he sees the, the Santa Claus suit lying on his front yard, and the body is gone. And he's looking now for an identification of some kind. So he digs through and he pulls out this little card. And it, it says a bunch of stuff on it, but he just reads like the main writing. And it says, put on the Santa suit and the reindeer will know what to do. And he doesn't want to do it. He's reluctant at first, but finally he kind of gives in. He ends up putting on the Santa Claus suit. And, and then he gets, you know, with his son, whisked away by the reindeer in the sleigh off to the North Pole. And there he's in the North Pole. And once he gets to the North Pole, Bernard, the head elf with an attitude, dials him in on what actually just happened. Here's the clip. Did you or did you not read the card? Yeah, I read the card. Then you're the new Santa. And putting on the hat and jacket, you accepted the contract. What contract? The card in the Santa suit. You said you read it, right? So when you put on the suit, he fell subject to the Santa Claus. Here. The Santa Claus? Oh, you mean the guy that fell off my roof? No, no, no. Not Santa Claus the person. Santa Claus the clause. What? You're a businessman, right? Yeah. Okay. A clause as in the last line of a contract. You got the card. Okay, look. The Santa Claus. And putting on the suit and entering the sleigh, the wearer waves any and all rights to any previous identity, real or implied, and fully accepts the duties and responsibilities of Santa Claus in perpetuity until such time that wearer becomes unable to do so by either accident or design. What does that mean? It means you put on the suit, you're the big guy. If you put on the suit, you're the big guy. It's a great movie. It's worth a rent at least. And uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but the rest of the movie kind of details what happens from that point on. And long story short, that Tim Allen character, he starts changing. He starts transforming it, right before in everybody's eyes. He, he grows the, the big beard, and he can't stop it from keeping on growing. And he grows the big belly, right? And he can't stop that from growing either. And his heart beats in jingle bells rhythm, literally, right? And he starts walking around knowing who's naughty and nice, right? And he's at the park, and little kids are like, that's Santa. I'm telling him what he want, what I want for Christmas. They start literally just lining up to give him their Christmas list because they know who he really is, right? And he's reluctant at first, he avoids it, but he finally gives in to his destiny, a life of purpose, bringing gifts to all the good boys and girls all around the world. Anyway, that's the movie without the spoilers, but uh, it's, it's, it's all because of this accidental moment where he yells at Santa and there's a suit on the ground and he puts it on with no sense of what was actually going to happen. 
But, but here's what I wanted to suggest to you today, that spiritually, we have been invited by God to, to not have some kind of an accidental experience that leads to transformation, but instead an intentional one. And we are not transformed because there's some kind of a Santa suit, but what if you could think of it as though there's a, the Jesus suit lying there that you get to be invited to put on? And what if when you put that Jesus suit on, you really were transformed? Because in fact, that is what I think God wants for us. And this is what the scripture says in Romans 14, in Romans 14, in Romans 13, sorry, verse 14. It says, put on, why don't you read it with me? Ready, go. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Let's say that one more time in that translation, go. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. This is what God invites you to do, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In another translation, it says it like this. It says, now clothe yourselves. Ready? Read this one with me. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the word of God to each one of us, to put on Jesus, to clothe ourselves with Jesus. So, how many of you have an ugly Christmas sweater? Raise your hand. Bunch, okay, probably a bunch of us, right? I, I have one ugly Christmas, Christmas sweater, and it stays right up in the top corner of the shelf in the top of the closet, and it stays there all year except for one week in the month of December when I finally pull that thing down because inevitably somebody says, oh, we're having an ugly Christmas sweater party or whatever, right? And, and so for that one day, I pull it down, and I put it on, and, and look my ugly best, right? And, and I, I wonder if maybe for some of us, we kind of take a similar approach with our spiritual life our Christian life, we take our Jesus thing and we, we put it on like once in a while for church services. But then we just put it back and then just go do whatever else we want to do. And I, and I think maybe that we need to understand that there's a deeper invitation from our God to live differently, to actually put on the Lord Jesus and not just once in a while or not just for coming to church but for walking into that business meeting on a Tuesday afternoon. To put on Jesus when it's time to, to settle that issue with that neighbor. To put on Jesus when you're dealing with that, that difficult circumstance with that teenage kid. Sorry, got a little personal for a second. Put on Jesus when you have to figure out how in the world you're ever going to tell him about what really happened. To put on Jesus and to live and walk out a life where we're walking in Jesus all the time. Listen, when it says put on the Lord Jesus or in the NIV, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus, you, you know it's a metaphor. But for some of us, we might hear put on and, and it might feel like, oh yeah, kind of like a windbreaker, like a flimsy little windbreaker that could just get blown off. But that's not really the metaphor that this scripture really brings to us. If you unearth the language in the original text in the ancient Greek where it says put on or clothe yourself, it's this unique word that isn't applied only to clothing. It's this word enduo, which means to immerse fully into to enter fully into, to be drenched with, to dive all the way into. And this is what we're invited to do. 
to enter so fully into the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are covered by Jesus from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. And because of that, we are changed inside and out. Somebody shout amen. That's what we're called to. That's what we're invited to, to enter into an experience where it is not superficial. It's not a flimsy windbreaker that can get blown away. It is a full immersion experience into Jesus that's what we're made for. That's what we're called into. And here's what astounds me, is that God on one hand says to us, put on the Lord Jesus. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus. But on the other hand, God also says, I have a perspective about you that it's like as though you already have. He's got a heavenly perspective. And from his heavenly perspective, he looks at you and me and he sees us for the fullness of what Jesus accomplishes in and through us. And so it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, these words, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Everyone say, has become. As in, it's done, it's finished, it happened, perfect tense, right? Has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. In the NIV, it says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So, hold on. Hold on a minute. On one hand, we're told over here, you need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to clothe yourself with Jesus. There's something that still needs to happen. But then on the other hand, we find that God is revealing, it's done. Old is gone, new has come. What's the deal? What the deal is is that there's a tension between the prophetic eternal perspective that God has over us and the reality of where we currently are. And we are on this journey where we are being drawn by the power of God more and more into a depth of experience that reflects more and more the heavenly perspective. But we get to be a, an active participant in how that comes about. It, it's a little bit like the, the middle school student who's struggling to write an essay for language arts. And they're sitting down at the computer and they're starting to cry. They're weeping. They're wailing and moaning. I can't do it. I don't know how this works. And, and they're struggling to get that essay written. Anyone else ever had a parenting experience like this? Anyway, they, they're, they're struggling. They feel like they're never going to be able to write anything. They feel like a failure in language arts, and they can't even get past three words. But, but the teacher, the teacher has a different view of that student. This teacher has seen like the, the way that student has a way with words when they're talking and interacting, and the teacher can see something in that student, and the teacher sees that student 20 years down the line, with the articles being published in journals, with the magazines that are running what they've written, with the books that they're authoring, right? And that teacher can see something from a, a prophetic perspective, a view for what could be and what will be, and they can just see it. But that doesn't mean that the student doesn't actually need to do some work. The student still needs to work on how to not do run-on sentences and subject-verb agreement and tense and, and all of that good grammatical stuff, right? They still got to work on it, even though there's a prophetic view of what will be. And, and because of that, we as believers, as followers of Jesus, as people who are stepping up to live a, a real spiritual life, we need to recognize that God sees us for what can be. He sees us differently than we see ourselves, and we need to learn to live like it. We need to put on Jesus and learn to live like he sees us. That's the main idea of my message today. We put on Jesus and learn to live like he sees us. Say it with me. We put on Jesus and learn to live like he sees us. Say it one more time. We put on Jesus 
and learn to live like he sees us. The more we put on Jesus, the more we're going to experience his transformative power in our lives. And we need it. We need to experience the transformative power of Jesus in our lives. God looks at us from his eternal heavenly perspective and he sees you through the blood of Jesus. And because he sees you through the blood of Jesus, he's not looking at the sin. He's not looking at the guilt or the shame. He's looking at the perfection of Jesus over you. And because of that, the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 says that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what the scripture says about you, that you are become the righteousness of God. That, that prophetic tension is a reality, and, and we need to enter into our own experience of it. Galatians 3.27 says it like this. It says, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. And there it is again, that perfect tense. Did you catch it? So we've got this tension, don't we? We've got this tension between God's eternal already where it's done it's a done deal it's finished and our temporal not yet anybody feeling a little bit of the not yet and 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 when we feel the reality of the not yet the well I read that I put on Christ but I'm not really sure I feel like it today what that means is that there's a fresh invitation to get up again and put on the Lord Jesus and to learn to live like it. We're going to spend some time in Ephesians chapter 4 today. And so I want you to open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Open up your Bible or your Bible app to Ephesians 4. And in the beginning of Ephesians 4, there's a, a detailed look at the way of this world. Like the way of this world that would say, here's what you do. You want to really live? Just do whatever you want to do. Whatever feels good. Whatever you desire. Whatever lust. Just go for it. And the scripture in Ephesians 4 details that, but then says, but that's not what you've learned about Jesus, is it? And and so that's what we're going to jump into, the other side of that equation. And so we'll jump there to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. It, It says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I want to go back to verse 21 again. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off, everyone say throw off. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Throwing off the old nature is something that you and I are invited to actively participate in. In as much as we are willing, God has said, yep, do some throwing off, because there's some stuff that's got to get thrown off. We might want this all to happen by autopilot, but God in his word has made clear, you're not a robot. I didn't pre-program you. You're a free agent. You get to make choices. And this is one of the choices that you're powerful enough to make, to throw off what needs to be thrown off. Like, for example, I was doing some gardening uh, last week. I decided to do it on Friday morning. I heard it was going to rain, and I wanted to get it done 
early in the day before the rain started, and so I started at like 5.30, and I was out there, and, and the, it was just starting to mist a little bit, and I'm working in the dirt, and so my sweatshirt is getting all dirty on the outside, covered with mud, and, and then it's getting sweaty and stinky from the inside because I'm working hard out there carrying stuff, and, and then by, by the time it really started raining, I knew I needed to quit, and when I finally got into the garage, you know what I couldn't wait to do? I couldn't wait to you could do it. You could say, throw off that stinky sweatshirt, you know? But, but listen, what if instead of throwing it off, what if I just decided, you know what, I got to head into my day now, so how about this? I'll just go and take my, my nice uh, button-down shirt, and I'll just go ahead and put that on over this, and that way, you know, I'll cover up that dirty stuff, you know? No one will ever know, as long as I'm 40 feet away, you know? But if anyone were to get a little bit closer, they would smell that I still had something that needed to have gotten thrown off. And in a very real way, you and I, there's stuff that's gone on in our lives, that's going on in our lives, that the Spirit of God would say, that's just not the new you. That is not who I see you to be. And it's got to go. It's got to get thrown off. Like if I were to take a bag of stinky garbage with garbage juices in it, and I threw it your way, and you caught it, you would quickly want to throw it off, right? And this is what you and I need to do with certain things in our lives, that don't measure up with who God says we are and how God sees us. We've got to learn to throw things off that God says have got to go. We learn to throw off what needs to be thrown off. Verse 23, let me dial in on this. It says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I want you to read these words with me, the whole verse. Ready, go. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. This is God saying, I have a vision for you. And it's not that you would go around saying, I'm just a sinner. No. God is saying, I have a vision for you. And it's for you to more and more step into this reality. God has created you to be like God, truly righteous and truly holy. And some of us hear the words righteous and holy, and we think we're disqualified. We think that I could never be that. That could never describe me. I mean, you don't even know how that could never describe me. But God says, yes, but yes, it can describe you. In fact, it does, because I've created you to be this way, truly righteous, truly holy. But, but some of us, we hear the word righteous, and what comes to mind is self-righteousness. You know that ugly version of a person who is so full of themselves, and they're pretty sure that they've got it all together and they're doing everything right and everyone else they're looking down their nose at because no one else is doing it good like them you know and when we hear righteousness in that way we want nothing to do with it we hear the word holy and maybe for some of us what comes to mind is somebody being holier than thou and we throw back to SNL church lady, right? And, and we, we, we hear that holier-than-thou kind of attitude and, and the pharisaical tendencies of you have to do this and have to do that and want to do that. And we don't want anything to do with that either. But neither does the Lord our God. What he wants for us is to be truly righteous, 
and truly holy. That is not just some righteous that you put on like a syrupy, sweet little fake costume that you wear to church once in a while kind of righteous, but a a real righteous because you're putting on Jesus and learning to live like he sees us. You really are being changed a little bit more from glory to glory and truly holy. Sometimes we think about what holiness is and we think being holy is about not doing all of those bad things. And that is a fraction of what real holiness really is. Yes, that's part of it, but it's just a part of it. To truly be holy is to be a person who is growing in your own intimate connection with the Lord your God, so much so that you're experiencing more and more often that Ephesians 2 dynamic where you are seated with him in heavenly places and you're right up next to him close to the Lord your God and because you're close with him his power his love his beauty his goodness his bright dazzling light it's all pouring into you and changing you so that then you come into this world with the goodness power beauty love and light of God shining and emanating through you that's being truly holy And that's what God's calling somebody to today, is to live that way. That's right. Celebrate God's good calling for your life to be truly righteous, truly holy. It's what he has for you and me. But how do we get there? How do we get to that place where we keep on changing? Because God has made it clear it's what he wants to do. Ephesians 4, 17 says that God's desire is that in every way you would grow to be more and more like Christ. In every way. No stone unturned. Every aspect of who we are, touched by his goodness more and more. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, we find the revelation that God's design is to take us on a life journey from glory to glory. That we all, with unveiled faces, would more and more reflect the Lord's glory. Because we're being taken from glory to glory until we finally meet him in glory. That's the journey God has for you and me. So we're never going to settle for a fake bumper sticker version of our faith that says... I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect, I'm, I'm just a sinner, or I'm, I'm, I'm forgiven, or whatever. We want to move towards what God says he has for us. A, a life where we're truly righteous, truly holy. How does it work? Verse 23, again, it says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Why don't you read this verse with me one time? Ready, go. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Say it one more time. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. I want you to just calibrate your spirit around this verse for a moment. And I want you to personalize it like this. I want you to say, I choose to let the Spirit renew my thoughts and attitudes. Say it. I choose to let the Spirit renew my thoughts and attitudes. Now let's say it all together with I choose. Ready? I choose to let the Spirit renew my thoughts and attitudes about that situation with my husband. I choose, come on somebody, to let the Spirit, it got too personal, what? I choose to let the Spirit renew my thoughts and attitudes. With regard to that person at work that I have such problems with, say it with me, I choose to let the Spirit renew my thoughts and attitudes. We settle for a version of our faith that amounts to a whole lot of, I got to try harder, to be better, and to have better morals. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is we come to Jesus and we die. Like the old version of us dies, it's done. And we get to put on the Lord Jesus. And as we put on the Lord Jesus, then we learn to live like he sees us. And do we have a lot of room to keep on learning? Oh, yeah. But we keep on learning. We keep on moving in that direction. But we don't do it by our own effort. 
We don't do it by going, I'm just going to try harder. No, we let the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes. Because it's our thoughts, our attitudes that are ultimately going to show up the change in our life. Your thoughts will determine the direction and even ultimately the destiny of your life. And your attitudes will determine the elevation and ultimately the quality of your experience of this transformed life. And so you need the Spirit of God to transform your thoughts. You need to choose to let the Spirit renew your attitudes so that you can rise to a higher elevation where you're soaring on wings as eagles, as the scripture says. It's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that is available to you for this to happen. You know, I was uh, talking about doing some gardening. What I wanted to do was, I wanted to change out in my garden all of the, uh, the over-sprayers that spray all of the stuff and waste all the water and get all these weeds growing and whatnot. And so I decided I would put in a drip line all around the edge, you know? And, and so it's this stuff, this, uh, this like black tubing, and I had about 150 feet of that to put in, and these little micro lines to each plant. And I had to put 42 of them in, you know? And so I'm, I'm, I'm out there, I'm doing the work, and, and I bought this little tool because I had to cut all of the, the pipe, and, it, and I saw at the store it said something about multi-purpose, you know, tool, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm out there putting in all of this, this irrigation drip line all around, and, you know, hour after hour, I'm putting it in, and, and it's cold, and my fingers are cramping up because you got to take your fingers, and you got to jam this tube into the other tube, and it doesn't even want to go, and, and I'm on the 36th one. It's been hours of doing this, and it's slipping, and I can't even, the 36th one, I couldn't quite get it to go, and I'm like, man, what do I do? Maybe I should go get a vice grip or a pliers, or I don't know. Wait, hold on. Hold on. That thing, it said like multi-purpose. It had all these weird notches on it. Like, I wonder if maybe one of those weird notches is helpful for something like this, you know? <laughs> so then I, I took it, and I tried it, and a number 36, and I put the little notch in the little tube, and lo and behold, it's exactly designed to press on that little thing, and you just pop the force of leverage, done, two seconds, seven hours of my life wasted, even though I had the tool the whole entire time, but I just wasn't willing to utilize and pay attention to the weird little notches, you know, but I had it the whole entire time, it was right there, and I wonder if maybe for some of us in our spiritual life, we've embraced salvation through Jesus Christ and said, yep, I'm going to heaven when I die. And I love that hope that I have. But now here I am in this life and I just got to try harder. I just got to try harder, you know? And meanwhile, the whole time, the little weird notches on the green tool are there. You got the Holy Spirit ready to renew your thoughts and attitudes, to make them new. Not to just try to get the old ones to be a little bit better, but to make them new. You and I are invited to put on Jesus and then learn to live like he sees us. And so I want to pray for some of us today that are believers, that God would take us to a place where this desire would rise up in us. And, and I, I would be in the middle of a moment, I'd be saying, I put on Jesus right now. I'd be in the middle of a moment, and I would say, like we said before, I choose to let the Spirit renew my thoughts and especially my attitudes right now. Because this is a journey of transformation. We're on this journey of transformation, and you're on version 2.0 from the moment you got saved. But God has a little bit more for you than that. Some of you, you know what it's like to finally cross over into 3.0. You're on 3.0 because you got rid of the critical spirit. 
Yes, you're going to heaven, and you're no longer a raging critic on everybody's life. <laughs> Some of you, you're finally on 4.0 because you are ex exhibiting more of the goodness and love of God to people all around you. And someone else, you're on version 5.0 because you have decided that you're not going to live in bondage anymore, and you've conquered the addiction and you're going to heaven you're on version 5.0 and someone else you're on version 6.0 because you have begun giving generously in worship someone else you're on version 7.0 now because you have truly forgiven him and you're not hanging it over his head anymore and you're not even going to bring it up again because you're trusting God's mercy to flow through you you're this is what we're made for glory to glory transformation but it happens as you put on Jesus and learn to live like he sees us. All of us have a, a whole lot of room to keep moving in this direction, don't we? <laughs> yeah, it's okay to admit it. And then grow with him through it. So I want to go back to just verse 21, just for a second. It says, but that's not what you heard about Jesus and have learned the truth. Or sorry, it says, you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. So... So the, the idea here is that this scripture is written to believers who have heard the truth about Jesus, and they've learned this truth that comes from him. But I don't want to make assumptions today that that applies to all of us. It probably applies to most of us, but there may be a few of us that we actually need our moment of hearing about Jesus. And so just let me make that very clear to you today. God has a heart full of love for this planet he created and saw the predicament of every human being, whoever was, trapped with sin and shame and guilt, trying to do more better stuff to work it out, not working. And, and God in his mercy sent his one and only son, Jesus, because Jesus was able, because he's perfect, he was able to take my sin and shame and guilt and yours and all humanity's sin and shame and guilt and take it to the cross with him and pay the full price for it. Because he alone, as the perfect lamb of God, could do so. And he did it. So that you and me could one day wake up spiritually and turn to him and say, I need to turn away from my sin. And Jesus, would you forgive me? And he would say, I forgive you because the price has been paid. Like, this is... This is Jesus, and I want to make sure you hear about him today, that you have an opportunity to receive his gift of the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul so that you can have the hope of heaven, but more than just that, the power of God for here and now to put on Jesus and learn to live like he sees us. This is an everyone's invited in kind of an experience, but you're invited. Would you, would you come? So for many of you who are believers, Today's a day, like any other, to rejoice that you know the God of grace and you're crowned with his mercy and salvation. And for others of us, it's a day to wake up and consider turning to the Lord God Almighty and asking for his mercy and grace, his gift of salvation. He doesn't force it on you, but there are times when your eyes are open and the scriptures would say, don't harden your heart, but when you hear his voice. And maybe you're hearing it right now and it's time to come. And you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe I'll do that later once I clean up my stuff and, and try to, and get, get, you know, a little bit better at this or that. No, no, no. God's saying, now, I'm going to take you on the journey of change as we go. But let's pray together, could we? Just join me and let's all bow our heads and take a moment and pray. God, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the tension. 
I do. I thank you for the tension between this prophetic view you have. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old is gone, new has come. And then the, the exhortation to say, you need to put on Jesus. You need to clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so rather than just try to isolate one or the other, God, I'll embrace your word, the full tension of it. And I ask you, Lord, to draw every one of us more and more towards this prophetic reality that you see. If you're a believer, and today you would say, I want to do this. I want to learn to, to do this. I want to put on Jesus and, and learn to live like God sees us more. If you're a believer already, but you would say, I want to ask God to help me to live this stuff out for real. If that's you as a believer and you just want God to help you to live this stuff out, would you just raise your hand with me as a way of saying, God, I want you to help me live this out even more. Ah, keep your hand up for a minute. Lord, I pray for each one of us where our hand is raised. God, that you would infuse us with a supernatural power to in, in moment by moment, in real time situations, hear you saying, right now, put on Jesus. Right now. You choose to let the Spirit renew your thoughts. God, I pray for a quickening, and I prophesy this over my friends here today, that there would be a quickening in the Spirit for in the middle of moments that we would find ourselves saying, I choose to let the Spirit renew my thoughts and attitudes. While your hand is lifted, say it again. Say it, I choose to let the Spirit renew my thoughts and attitudes. Yes, God, I pray that you would rise up in us and take us into this journey of learning to live like you see us more and more from glory to glory, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.